0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hello, oh, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Drive Through HR, the internet's longest-running HR talk show. I am one of your hosts, Crystal Miller Lay, and I am joined with Dwayne Lay today, which is a, kind of a treat. We haven't had you on in a while, Dwayne.
0: Uh, well, it's not for lack of trying, but it's uh, it's nice to get to be here and, and sit and run the board for you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And for everyone tuning in, I am actually doing our show today. From my car, I am freezing for some reason, the air conditioning in our house is stuck at 66 degrees, which is just a little too cold for me to function. So um, Dwayne is taking one for the team and running the board, and he will be joining my, me and our guest, Alex. Alex, I understand you are on. So why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, hey, Alex Fair here, um, uh, Global for Branding. Talent Brand Recruitment Marketing Leader, um, also set up on Talent Brand Alliance, and I've had a chance to uh, to connect with Crystal and Dwayne, and I'm just happy to be here.
1: Well, I am uh, very happy to have you as well. We've been talking employer brand and talent attraction for, I think, as long as I've known you. It's a few years now. So I'm I'm excited for you to be able to share your perspectives and then what's keeping you up at night. With the group today, so with that, and for for you and anyone that may not be familiar with the format of the show, we really centered around what's what's keeping you up at night. What are you interested in? What's driving your thoughts, and and what you're doing these days?
2: Okay, sounds good to me. Do do you want me to shoot off with that, or <laughs> yeah, that's why? kind
1: of the whole thing. So, what's keeping you up at night?
2: Um, I, I think just um, you know. Being being actively back on the hunt, as we call it, uh, job hunt um, candidate experience. I, I just um, you know I, I know there's so much involved with it. You know, being in the employer branding space, we we get a hand in that in terms of you know helping them out with the messaging and really you know getting it to a spot where we feel would be respectable. But I I do have to say you know just having gone through uh, the circuit of the last uh, you know month or two, it's uh, there's just some places that you know, are, are doing a terrible job and everything. And it, it needs to, needs to be fixed. I don't know. You know, I, I know we, we have talked about these There's different blogs or podcasts and we all talk about that, but there's, there's gotta be ways to make it better. Uh, just, you know, bring back the, uh, the human aspect to it, like really provide customer service to the people who are applying for these jobs and uh, you know, get, show them some more respect in the process.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Um, you know when we look at candidate experience, so much of of what I think candidates do experience across organizations um, for the most part is unintentional. right like it's 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 inten- it's there's intention behind it, right? Like you make a decision to not define and and shore up that candidate experience, but so much of that process is is like everything else in the hiring process. it's very one-sided, um, dysfunctionally one-sided. I think weighted in favor of the employer, and and I think you see that. So you see you see things like a focus on the recruiter's time as opposed to you know like well the recruiter has too many recs the you know the TA team is too busy to be able to provide a quality candidate experience. But it does lead back to that question of at what cost. Mm-hmm. True. Sure. So what's your perspective on that? Like, have you um, have you thought about like what a better candidate experience might look like that balances both the time constraints of the company with the candidates need for feedback?
2: Um, you know, cause I, I know it is tough for recruiters, right? Like that's, um, so. I don't want to want to seem like, okay, I don't care about that aspect. You know, I, I, I work with recruiters, you know, and what I do and what we do. But, um, I think just, just holding everyone to some sort of like, uh, uh like you know like internally like an sla in terms of okay hey um after this person goes through you know if they reach uh step step one right an email should go out a very customized email to to let them know what's going on step two okay they're past that point where you've already screened them you've had a phone call you know that you know they uh, there's a mutual interest there from you know the hiring manager as well as yourself give you know send an actual email give them a phone call uh provide like doing that just goes such a long way But I I just find like when that doesn't happen, and you know you're you're waiting there. If like yes, there's you know there there's a recommended route of okay, hey, after three days, email them, let them know you're still interested, which should be should be pretty obvious. Like really holding um, you know the the recruiters internally uh, responsible for you know holding them accountable for that. I think would just go a long way. You know regardless of how you know how far the person gets in the process, like on each step. Doing our best, you know, as uh, as internal TA teams to, you know, keeping them, you know, accountable and responsible. I think will go a long way. Yeah, so
0: it's it's kind of been a, a long-standing piece of, of recruitment, though, right? Like, there's always it always feels like for kind of the generic approach that, you know, candidates should, you know, put their information in, and and if and when we get back to them, so be it, and they should feel lucky when we mm-hmm. do. Um, there's so much negativity about HR and recruiting specifically because of that poor candidate experience from the last few years. Um, I think it's a really interesting shift that we're starting to pay more attention to it now, because as we're seeing, like the, the labor market has changed pretty significantly after the pandemic. Um, you know, we're seeing people who are producing the work for, for, you know, poverty wages anymore. And
1: in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. that's
0: great. Crystal and I were talking about this last night, um, We've seen um, like social media posts from restaurant workers saying, look, like everyone's short-staffed, and if we all hold out, like we can change the industry and make sure that we're getting paid a fair amount. And Chris, I remember your, your comment on it was like, yeah, that's fine if your wage is the only problem, but it's not, and in a lot of industries, it's not. So like, if you're looking to make something better, if you're looking to improve your life, like just the money isn't enough because you'll just get more work to go with it. So we're we're kind of at this sure. this kind of intersection the sea change in the way that like candidates are starting to own that process more for the applications and the interview process um mm-hmm. as well as what they're willing to accept to walk in and it's it's really interesting but that that connection and that relationship getting built up on the front side is something that I think is going to be more important than ever as we go into uh, this rebound job market
2: I agree, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Dwayne, and uh, good, good to finally talk to you out of, uh, outside of Facebook, but <laughs> yeah, likewise. Um, so, yeah, it's because um, so, actually, uh, so the wife and I took a trip out to Miami over the weekend, you know, both both vaccinated, so if there's any concerns there, but uh, you know, it was one place, and I, I've never heard this before in my life, but we went in to, to get drinks, and I said, hey, just to let you know, it's going to be about 15-minute wait at best. We're understaffed. We don't have enough workers, mm-hmm. And then, so, you know, that, that happened, you know, along with to some NPR earlier in the day to kind of, you know, get a feel for what was going on. But, um, and then as I was scrolling down, uh, you know, my Facebook feed, I saw, you know, one, one of my uh, favorite breweries here in Austin. And
0: mm-hmm. they,
2: you know, they, they had, you know, I've never seen a company come out like this, and t- especially when it comes down to uh, more of the service industry. And they said, hey, listen, you know, we know there's a lot of talk out there about, um, individuals you know, not wanting to work, but, hey, we've got X amount of applications. And the reason why we feel that we're different is, yeah, we pay good. However, we actually give our hourly employees vacation, uh, BTOs, mm-hmm. sick time, um, benefits, everything that you don't see at other places. So we're doing just fine. It just comes down to actually treating people like people, providing a good experience, and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah,
1: and I uh, think, like, when you yeah.
2: – <laughs> Sorry,
0: clearly a socialist idea of teaching – uh, teaching each other to uh, treat people as humans. Gosh, sorry. Go ahead, Crystal.
1: No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> so I think when um, you know, along those lines, we can look at Chipotle as kind of a, an interesting case study. Uh, not only are they trying to, to hire what is it, twenty thousand workers across the United States, but they're doing it at a time where their own their current employees are striking, not just from a pay perspective, though I do believe that's part of it. It's the what happens to you during the hours that you're there and their complaints are are not unique. Um, They're having to work through breaks. They're having to not get lunches. You know, they're not, they're being forced to work in conditions that aren't compliant with the Department of Labor um, and the Workforce Commission's uh, mandates around how we treat employees. And, And from an HR perspective, we can look at that and go like, oh, that's not right. And it's not right? But there were very Mm -hmm. real managers and very real executives that that have allowed that culture. And that is a cultural issue to, to matriculate. Right. And so I look at that and go like, this is a problem that's bigger than HR. HR has to be part of the solution, but it's a problem that's bigger than HR and DA. So where do we start? How do we start to fix that when you've got such a disparate work experience from a um, an executive to the person that's working in, like again, using Chipotle as an example, Chipotle's restaurant, and out my favorite burrito bowls. <laughs>
2: no, that's a that's a good example, and I'm, I'm glad you share that because I, I think that actually ties in very well to to what we do as employer brand practitioners. You know, we work together with our our HR friends, you know, in some cases we sit within that team. If not, we work hand-in-hand hand with them. And you, you find yourself, you know, you're, you're having to respond to these reviews on in Glassdoor Indeed or you're really trying to craft a story to share, right, what this company is really about. And you can work, you know, with HR, with all the internal stakeholders, but if, um, you know, like you mentioned with the uh, uh, the example there, it's like, okay, it comes down to, like, it's more of an internal issue. But it's like this – the, the, the managers have allowed that. They have a system in place where, like, yeah, they, it's known. They just work through the breaks. And you have a lot of the same situations on the corporate side where, hey, people are just they're, – they're, they're burnt out. They're zoomed out. They not want to do these different things. They don't want to take time off. And, you know, you, you can only respond to so many reviews, work so much with HR. It's got to change internally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Dwayne, what's your perspective there?
0: Well, it's – you know – I feel like some of this has come about because there's been this idea that when unemployment is low, like we can kind of treat people however we need to, and there will be other people who will take Mm -hmm. those jobs. Um, But the truth is that there won't be right. Uh, Those, those people aren't around like that. um, And they certainly aren't going to take much more than what other people do. So I think there's an interesting um, change in the relationship between the hiring organization and the labor. And I think that, um, the organizations that are good at managing that difference are the ones that will really do well. Um, back to the, the comment about um, how the money doesn't solve it. Right. What I thought immediately was um, with Amazon, right. The discussions around, you know, they bumped their pay up, They're paying, you know, a lot more money. They're paying 15 an hour, whatever it is. But at the same time, the workplace is still pretty rough. And so it's a really good example of like it's not just about the money. It's it's more than that. It's about how you treat people and we have to be cognizant of that. So
2: I agree.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think this is a natural time to do a reset and then we can pick back up on this. If you are just now joining us on Drive-Thru HR, you are joining myself, Crystal Miller Lay, along with Dwayne Lee. Uh, we are hosts for Drive Through HR, and our guest today is Alex Herr. And we've started with candidate experience and now we're kind of talking about work experience and how the two impact employer brand. So Alex, I think I heard you were just about to say something at recess. so um, I definitely want to give you the opportunity to do that.
2: No, no, sorry. Uh,
1: if not, I can certainly throw another question <laughs> at you and it is no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody no, I could add question.
2: on to that <laughs> because um, uh, Dwayne hit at something really good because I, I know I, I started doing a lot of public speaking early on, and, you know, I, I was betting more on the fact that, yeah, you know, I think things are things are going to change, right? The, the natural thought is, okay, when you run service session uh, like we did back in 2008, 2009, uh, it's going to be a not a job seekers market, right? The employers could pretty much demand and control everything, and it changed. And I think it changed for, for the best because you had changes not just there in terms of you know where they want to work, how much they want to make. They were looking at the other issues that we've been, you know, talking about with just with these various uh, scenarios.
1: Yeah, I was yeah, think – Go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
2: Oh, no. I think
0: it's interesting oh. how uh, when we think about like our our relationship with with candidates has changed over the years, like what's what's okay and what's not. I was actually thinking about I had a years and years back. I was flown to San Jose to interview with it. like had done a couple rounds they brought me in to do um like face to face with I think 5 or 6 different people while I was there and like it was an overnight trip and you know put me in a you know fairly nice hotel came in did the whole thing gave me the tour and literally never heard a word back and oh, wow. and it and for some there so many people I talked they were like yeah that's that's unfortunately pretty common like that happens and and so you know, I've, I've seen just working in PA Tech space, like I've seen a real change over the years in kind of what's okay and what's not. But I remember with the, mm-hmm. um, with the, the Canada Experience Awards, one of the things a few years ago that popped up is, hey, we've got systems now that will automatically email people to tell them where they're at in the process. And it was like, oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. Like we've had automated emails and this is forever like why is this such a new thing but it's because the expectations change <laughs> and i think this is just another True. thing that is going to shift the expectations on how we treat candidates um I've, I've i've said several times i'm hopeful that the the pandemic which has forced us to be on zoom from home and and give uh, give other people a glimpse into our daily lives and our kids running in the background and pets trying to get out and all those different things uh will will humanize us more and so I'm hopeful that we'll see sure. that spill into the recruiting processes too. Like we'll we'll treat people not as talent commodities but as, you know, individuals mm-hmm. and people. Um so there's a whole lot of that hopefulness I think that we all have for business, for recruiting, for for customer care, that kind of stuff. So we'll uh you know, we'll keep thinking good thoughts and hopefully that comes to fruition.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I you know, it's it. it's funny you mentioned five interviews. So um uh won't well, dive well, too much into the specifics, but I did have a place where I went through nine interviews, um, so this is COVID times now here, and it's you know, you're looking at it just thinking, okay, nine interviews here, like you, you'd be wanting some direct feedback in terms of sure. you know what's happening. Why is there a need to have so much? Because and, you know I put it out there in, in the Twitterverse too, and you know a, a lot of folks responded. They were like, okay, three, three to five, okay, that's you know even the five is a bit much, right? But you should be getting some sort of feedback on what's going on. Yeah.
1: You know, I think. Um, so, I, so, Dwayne, to your, your, hoping that it will go out there, right? I, I kind of look at that as the same thing that we see after every disaster, you know, people are sending thoughts and prayers. And they're very effective yeah. for change, right? And it, it's kind of the same thing here. Like, we can all agree that there's a better way to do things. We can all say we hope that these things will change. But the only way that they do is if we start um, – start designing and redesigning these processes systems and strategies to be intentional to be on purpose and instead of looking for reasons for why we can't do something we need to look at how to fit this into our days because the mm. the impact we know um, the impact on this is pretty significant to overall corporate reputation and so you know I I kind of jokingly was talking to uh, someone last week about this. I was like, you know, for all that HR and TA still cries about not having a seat, and which, by the way, I hate that phrase, but having a seat at an executive table by not getting the same um, level of consideration that their other functional peers do, you know, part of that is their other functional peers do not have the same level of luxury to say, oh, but I'm busy, so I can't provide a quality service to your customers. But, but that's because customers are considered to be revenue driving, I assume, and, so, mm-hmm. and employees are not. And so as long as you look at your people assets as second-class citizens to your organization, then I think you're always going to provide a bad experience bad that, that, that is a scale, it's a spectrum, right? So what level is probably dependent on the organization. So I think you first have to look at, okay, what are these people to us really? And if they are the people that ultimately build your business and drive your revenue, then there should be no excuse for I don't have time to send an email, especially to Dwayne's point when so much of it is automated anyway. True. That's really what you're saying is so, I don't have time to make a template, and that is – even if you're a very poor writer, that is at most a 30-minute endeavor. Mm-hmm.
2: So, so question to you, Crystal. So, I mean, you know, you you both have been in the space much longer than I have. But um, if there, so would you say that a, a company that, you know, respects that, hey, you know what, their customers are not just the customers who are actually paying there. They're future job seekers and the people who are there at the moment. Uh, would you say a company has a good, strong culture and employer brand? has more, like, pay, pays more attention to what we're talking about, or does that not even factor into the situation?
1: The employer brand use? Um, you know, I think the best, best companies, the best candidate experience I've seen, they're not doing it as a exercise or output of their employer brand. They're doing it because mm-hmm. of the way that they look at people, and fundamentally they view two sets of customers, internal and external. Right, And so okay. when you look at your candidates, and this is my perspective, when you look at your candidates, they are ultimately the funnel for your internal customers, right? So they're the leads that lead mm-hmm. into internal customers. Whereas your um, your marketing, your pre-sales marketing is building a lead generation funnel for external customers. And so the ones that I've seen that have really nailed it have that viewpoint. And because they have that viewpoint and they built those processes and systems, they have a a rather um, compelling employer brand story. They do tend to have a a better overall culture because they set a tone of expectation for how people are going to be treated before they're ever hired, right? So it, it's it's not every company that does that. I would say, in fact, it's most companies are not there yet. But but that's the difference that I see. Is is really just the perception of what what is this person? From our first point in touch, um, versus not. And what I think we see in most organizations is like we have a the focus is on the job opening as opposed to the person. We have a job that needs to be filled, right? It's much the same as we need new printer ink, right? So <laughs> what do you do? Mm-hmm. You want printer, right? But now in, in organizations with poor candidate experience, you know we have this job we need to fill. What do we do? We go post a job on Indeed or Wherever, and and start, you know, looking at all of the different types of resumes that come in, printer ink, right, and and decide which ones we want to order, right? It's very very imbalanced. I don't know if I'm answering your question or just rambling at this point, but <laughs> that's my perception.
2: No, 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 no. yeah, it, it it very much goes to that. Like, uh, and that's what I was trying to get to. It's uh, because if if you if you have that respect for you know both both, uh I guess, both sides of the house. It's pro- probably another word that's definitely overused in in the space. But, you know, if you respect, have respect for the customers as well as, you know, internal, external customers as it relates to job applicants, I think that does come across while well you're a player brand. I just I, I wanted to pick your brain and see what you, know, you would say about that. So, that's my question.
1: Okay, right on. So, and by the way, that's so, the nicest way I've ever heard anyone tell me that I'm significantly older than them. You've been in that space a lot longer than I have. <laughs> so, kind of anyway, go ahead.
0: so so here's a question that um, just to kind of throw it out there as I, as I think through this is it is it fair for both the candidate and for the company to um, is it fair to say that the expectations of the communications and the touch points um, should go along with how far someone else someone is in the process and by that I mean is it enough for us to say, all right, up until the point that we've had a phone call with you, automated emails are fine. Like, I don't need to talk to you. I don't need to personalize anything. I just need to tell you, hey, got your application, got your resume, we'll look at it. Hey, thanks for sending it in. We're gonna go with somebody else, but we'll put you in our talent pool. Or, hey, you're interested, we'd love to set up a meeting, here's a link, grab a time. All, right. all automated, no personal touch, but it's just to the point of the first time we talk. And after that, then you know you expect to hear something a little more personalized if it's a thanks for meeting we're not moving forward but the further you go in the process the more personalized that gets and the more um the more detailed the communication gets is that is that a fair expectation um both on the company side and the candidate side do you think
2: yeah i i think it is and you can um I mean, when you when you automate the messages, right? Depending on your ATS, you, you can put the recruiter or, hire, you know, in that case, recruiting recruiting coordinator's name in there. So I would try mm-hmm. to personalize that, personalize that as much as you can. You know, craft that, or smith it as best as possible to not make it sound like a robot sent it out. I mean, that's I do sound very like early two K ish, but um, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. how some messages are still being sent out by companies. But I would say, yeah, definitely automate that and then. Once there's a phone call, like, don't just drop them like a bad hat. Like, you know, if if maybe you feel there's, you know, there's – they're not going to match up with the position, let them know that on the phone versus Mm -hmm. you let them go through the entire interview. And then all of a sudden that, you know, the the terrible disposition email goes out and they're like – they're wondering what happened, you know. But I would say after the first step, definitely a phone call or personalized email. Try to – you know, if you can call them, please call them. If not – you know, get them an, uh, an authentic email and tell them exactly what's going on as, as best as you can. I mean, I know it's, it's different with each company and each situation, but um, try to personalize that as much as possible. So yeah. so then maybe the question there is – oh, sorry, Crystal, go ahead.
1: No, 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 go ahead. You're fine.
0: Well, I was going to say, so then from the, from the recruiter standpoint, is it a reasonable expectation that if you have talked to someone on the phone if you're not going to move forward, that you would call them to tell them that? Or is that too much to expect of of TA teams? And we should say, no, even at that point, it's still just an email. Um, And if that's okay, at what point, like, have we invested enough time that it makes sense to make that phone call if it's a we're, we're not going to move forward? Like, how deep do you have to go before that becomes an appropriate way to address the person?
2: Hmm. So I know, um, I'm trying to speak from the outside looking in, right. So I, yeah. I've worked super closely with recruiters. I, I would say I, I would prefer a phone call, but then again, that's like the one recruiter who has maybe 10 recs compared to the other that has like 25 or 30. And depending on that, it could be quite a bit, but I would say my preference would be a phone call. If not, try, try to try to send out that email. But I mean, that's, I'd love to hear what the, the two of you think about that.
1: So I think I, I'm going to push back a little bit on that. So, so I don't know that there's a wrong answer, right? I think the important piece is that you do communicate to the best that you can. we'll um, Try not down much like your terminations. Um, it is really frustrating for me, and I read a lot of these, um, not because I'm applying for jobs, but because I'm very interested to see like what that experience is. So part of the audits that we do with new clients is we will do test applies to a lot of different organizations to be able to see like what from a competitive standpoint like what are candidates receiving in each different um, company and location etc and so what i see a lot of is you know we've after reviewing very many applicants we you know are very impressed by your skills but we've decided to move in a different direction like, that is really just a rehash of what we tell people when we fire them, right, <laughs> so, Like or lay them off. Like, you know, you're, you're very impressive, and we're sure you'll go far, but the business is moving in a different direction and doesn't happen to include you. So that that's not awesome, right? I think it's fair to tell people um, that there are a lot of, of applicants if you have a lot of applicants, right? If it's just a matter of, like, we've, we've chosen someone else, I think you can tell people they're they're all adults for the most part or, you know, they're teenagers that are close to adulthood to be able to say, like, you know, we reviewed your background and, and while there are things that definitely align with our job description or do align with our job description, you know, we don't think this is the right role for you at this time. However you want to say that. Right. Mm-hmm. But whether you deliver that message in a phone call or an email I don't know that there's a right or a wrong to that because truthfully the right or wrong piece of it sits with the person to whom you're delivering that message. And for some people, they'll understand it and be able to process it faster in a phone call because they can have that two-way conversation. But it also puts HR and, and recruitment in a rather difficult spot because when you, when you do open that up to a two-way conversation, you have to be prepared to have that conversation and quite often like it's not a it's not a matter of this person wasn't a skill fit or they weren't a qualification fit it's a matter of there was just somebody else that clicked better with a hiring manager and how do you explain that right so from that perspective it might be better to put it in something that's in writing um and then offer the the option to if you wanted to have conversations offer an option for a later um, phone conversation, your know, subsequent phone conversation <clears throat> after they've had to, to process that feedback. But for other people, a phone call would be devastatingly hard, right? Because they're getting bad news and then they have to be able to react immediately to that with grace, which not everyone's able to do.
2: True. Sure. Good point.
1: Oh my gosh. We are at 29 after. So, this time has just flown by, Alex. Um, what are some, you know, if there's a parting thought that you can li- leave people with as it relates to candidate and work experience, you know, what would that be? What would you want to share?
2: Um, let's see here. Gosh, I don't think we we'll probably talked about hit on this in, in terms of what I'm going to say, but I, I would just say it's you know treat treat people like how you want to be treated. I mean, uh, just try to do that in every shape or form. And it's not so. It's not just the um you know the the companies and recruiters that are you know uh, controlling or handling the candidate experience is also the candidates too uh because there's there's real people behind you know these these emails these linkedin profiles and companies and they're they're doing the best they can um you know it's easy for it's easier for me to to, to poke fun at recruiters you know and i've got a lot of great friends that are recruiters but you know realize they're human too they're doing the best that they can but also you know treat them like how you want to be treated if you want a nice email nice response back Give them what they need and be nice and courteous. I mean, I think it's a, it's a two-way street.
1: I guess great advice for anybody listening. How can they find you? Are you on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the LinkedIns? How do they get a hold of you?
2: Uh, definitely on LinkedIn. Spend a lot of time there. Um, Twitter as well, um, and then Instagram. And then if you're, um, <laughs> you know, if, if you're in the craft beer, I also have a craft beer channel there, but neither <laughs> here or there. But uh, yeah, on all the major platforms.
1: So um, Wait, I'm sorry, you
0: have a craft beer channel on Instagram?
2: Yes, I do. That's fantastic. I uh, I, I, decided I was doing on tap for a bit. I'm like, you know what? <clears throat> and this, this was while having a craft beer. I'm like, why don't I make my own Instagram <clears throat> channel page, and I can share my beers there. And I, you know, end up getting more followers, more views. and So it gives me a chance to, like, you know, hone in on my craft in a different way. So it's the Brew and then last name, H-E-R, Brewherry Hunter. So you can find me there, same face as every other platform. Just you'll see Deer instead of a employer branding articles, HRTA stuff, well, a little different setup. Right on.
1: Okay, so you said it's brew her what?
2: Brewherry Hunter. <clears throat> so B-R-E-W-H-E-R okay. Hunter. Oh, H-E-R-Y Hunter. I'll send it over to
1: you. Uh, excellent. Well, there you go, people. Uh, that's how you get a hold of them. And thank you for joining us, Alex, and for everybody out there listening. We will have a show tomorrow with Robin Schooling. I. Bo- nope. No. Nope, nope. That's next week. We will have a Friday roundup where we can talk more about candidate experience and employee experience, and and really what that means. So. Join our hosts on Friday and thank you very much and everybody have a great afternoon. Mm-hmm. Bye all.